Hello and welcome to Reality Blows. My name is Nick Maritato. I'm Ashley Burke Roberts. This is a podcast that sometimes revolves around reality TV. And guess what? This episode will. How is that possible? Because we watch some reality television. I can't believe it, people. Before you jump into this episode, go ahead and rate us five stars. You know you're gonna love it. Also, if you want to get to know us a little bit more intimately, come into our inner circle. Here are the real details of this tumultuous relationship. Join our <laughs> Patreon. It's five bucks a month. You get two extra bonus episodes, sometimes picks, sometimes surprises. We just dropped November's second bonus episode yesterday, and it's all about Nick's birthday adventure. And yeah, there's some drama. There's a little drama based around presents. That's all I'm going to tell you. But uh, check out the Patreon. We recapped an entire birthday extravaganza. We had a whole adventure last Friday, and uh, compliments of Ashley Brooke Roberts, and uh, I had a good time, and you got to listen to it. Yeah, and you can find that where? Patreon.com forward slash Reality Blows, or go to realityblowspodcast.com for all of your Reality Blows needs. Now, let's just get into the main issue um, that's facing both of us right now in our lives. I'd say that we're both equally obsessed um, with eradicating a new house guest that we have found in the house, and that is a mealybug. Are you familiar, people? It lives on your plants. It's white. It's highly contagious. And if you don't stop it in its tracks, it will take over, and you'll have to just, I don't know, get rid of the plant. I don't know. I've never dealt with mealybugs before, but I know that for the past three days, I've been living and breathing mealybug information. Yeah, Ash is... Uh... I'm not as obsessed. I'll be honest. Ashley is obsessed because um, she's the caretaker of the plants. She wants. I want the plants to live. She loves these plants. I, I, you know, let's. I'm a very simple plant gal. I have one jade plant that I bought when I moved to New York like ten years ago. It has gone through a lot of different transformations with me. I almost killed it. I brought it back to life. It's in the other room right now. Um, and then I have uh, a little bit of a fiddle leaf fig clipping, okay, that I took from the big fiddle leaf tree that Nick said I couldn't bring to New Jersey. I took a little clipping, and that um, that tree got taken to a new home by one of our movers who also looked like a model. So I hope that tree's having a fun time in that model apartment. Um, so I have that little clipping. I have my little jade plant. I have a little ivy plant that um, Lily always tries to eat. I've had that for about four years. I, basically what I'm trying to say is I have four plants that are just mine that I just keep alive and they are fine. Nothing happens to them. They're just chill. Okay. I got a coin plant when we moved here. Nick bought me one on a little extravaganza. I was like, wow, this will be my one plant for the year. It's doing great. It's thriving. Now the plants in the house, this house has a ton of plants and um, I am now by default the plant caretaker and whew, I will keep these plants alive okay you hear me right now people at home these plants are gonna thrive under my care well what why don't you explain to me what exactly what is what's going on what is a mealybug what is happening here well about I don't know three days ago I noticed that one of the big plants 
in this on the second floor was kind of covered in what appeared to be a white cotton dust almost um, right where the roots met the right where the stem met the soil and kind of under the leaves and a couple little white spots on top of the leaves and to the untrained eye I thought it was a mildew fungus, that sort of a thing. I took a bunch of pictures of it. I made Nick put it outside on the balcony and I uploaded the pics to Reddit. I went to the one place that has never let me down, except for that one time I posted about a challenger possibly doing a microaggression on the challenge board and I got chased out of the challenge Reddit. That was the only time Reddit's ever left me down. Let me down. Um, so I post these pics of the plant on this um, one of the Reddits. I think it's called like plant help or plant medicine or help. Something's going on with my plant. It's not called like freaky fauna. No, that would be more fun. Yeah. So I posted. I go, what's going on? Is it mildew? What's up? What do you guys think? And uh, everyone, uh, about four people responded with like, whoa, that is a serious mealybug infestation you need to isolate that plant immediately and i was like okay it's already isolated and then people were like uh, inspect the plants around it because chances are some of those mealybugs jump ship so then i started looking at all the plants that were around it yeah there was a lot i would say there was four plants that had been circled around this one yeah we had like a, a like a squashed little area full of plants which was not it seems to be maybe not the best situation for a mealybug outbreak. We had a little bench under a big window and all the plants were just kind of there soaking up that sunlight and apparently also mealybugs because once I started looking at the other plants, none of them were as bad as this big guy. But um, all the other little guys around it, they all had telltale signs of mealybugs. And so I, I isolate them out on the balcony and I, I start with a homemade um, remedy, which is like... Rubbing alcohol, water, and some dish soap. You spray it down. You wipe them down. And I'm doing all that. I'm doing all that. And this was Saturday. Gabby came over, Nick's sister. We were uh, we were sitting around in the kitchen. And I told her, I said, hey, you know, you took that jade plant last week from the second floor. You got to watch out because a plant next to it had a mealybug bug infestation. You need to double check and make sure there are no mealybugs on it. And she goes, oh, I thought something was wrong with that plant. And I was like, yep check it out and she's like okay i will do it as soon as i get home now why did she think something was wrong with it had she, she seen the the spots she had noticed something was off about it like i was describing it just the vibe felt wrong yeah she was like it looked like something weird was going on and um she kept just being like ah i'm just gonna throw it out and i was like no you can't <laughs> throw it out you can't yeah throw it out. my sister was i noticed she was pretty quick to just give up all uh you know she was just gonna give up everything on that plant she 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 had no hope left for it she's like yeah i'll just throw that out right and uh, ashley was like no 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 you just um you make this concoction here i'll, I'll give you the the ingredients and yeah. you put it in this bag and then you swab this down and then you just wait and you kind of look back and then and then my sister kind of looked at ashley and was like yeah but like probably you just throw it in the trash can right it's over with that plant and uh, ashley was like no i <laughs> No, it's not. It's just got a little mealybug infect in infection and infestation. It, it's not that bad. Um, uh, but here, here's all the stuff. And then uh, my sister, when she went home, she was like, "All right, I'll go home and uh, we'll see what happens. And yeah, I'll probably have to throw this thing out, but I'll let you guys know." <laughs> and then all all yesterday, 
Ashley was kind of texting my sister being like, so what's going on over there? And then my sister Gabby would be like, yeah, I'm about to throw the plan out. And then Ashley would be like, no, don't throw it out yet. Just uh, just go ahead and, and wipe it down and let me know what happens. And uh, if you throw it out, don't, don't throw that pot out. That pot's really nice. And then just radio silence. So we still don't know exactly what the uh, fate of that plant is over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm actually on the edge of my seat. I need to know what's going on with that giant jade. Well, I kind there. of understand what she's talking about. She has so she's I, I kind of heard her under her breath go. I've bought so many plants this year. She's got a new house and she is afraid that she took a plant from here and it had a mealybug infestation. And what's going to happen here is going to happen to her. So she's she's like she likes the plant that she took from here. But she's more attached to the plants that she has nursed herself for a year now and doesn't want them to all get fucked up with this infection. And so she's kind of like, well, let's just cut the foot off here. You know what I mean? Yeah, put it outside. Quarantine it. Quarantine it and work on it. That's what I'm doing. That's what we're going to do. She's going to put it outside in the trash can. Oh, my (laughs) God. Okay, so I get so all the plants on the second floor. Okay, so they or, or or in the master bedroom. They all have like some mealybugs, okay? So I had put them outside. Gabby came over. I'm telling Gabby about it. She's like, what do they look like? And I take her out on the porch. I show her one. Uh, Because also another plant on the bottom, on the porch downstairs had them. See, we can't figure out where they came from. We know that this big one has like a big crazy infestation. But some other ones just seem to have a couple of them. So anyway, I'm talking to Gabby about it downstairs in the kitchen slash living room area. And we go to inspect another plant down there. And sure enough, on the first floor, we found a plant with some mealybugs. Then the plant next to it had some mealybugs. And then the plant next to it had some mealybugs. So I put it out on the back deck, start to get to work on that, spraying it down with my solution. Come up here, back to the second floor. I go to my study. Okay, I have a little study here on the second floor, and that is where I have kept most of my plants from Brooklyn, which just to refresh your memory is the jade plant that I've had for nine or 10 years, a clipping from that jade plant that I'm nursing, trying to make it into another jade plant and this ivy that, um, you know what, to be honest, I might throw out. I might throw the ivy out. I've had it for three years and Lily just wants to eat it all of the time. It's actually caused me more drama than it's worth unfortunately good grief is what it's causing us lily just uh will use eating plants to wake us up in the morning when she's hungry it's it's very annoying and she munches on this one in particular because it's like sort of related to catnip somehow i like researched it one time and it's like it, it gives kind of a catnip flavor so wherever this plant is lily's trying to get up there and go to town on it and she will knock whatever <laughs> is in her way over to meet her goals Okay, so this plant, okay, so so we're in the study, right? I'm checking out these plants, and I'm like, shit, they have a little tiny mealy bugs on them. Like, they just have like a little white dusting on some parts, where which appears to be like mealy bug eggs. I don't know. I'm new to the game. So I'm wiping all those guys down, wiping all those guys down. And I've been doing this for about two days now. Um, for the big ones, I do my spray bottle. But for the little ones, I have kind of like a cotton swab that I dip in and just straight up alcohol. And I wipe each leaf down front and back. I'm going to get, I'm going to stop these mealybugs. Okay. They have met their match. And then today I found one on a third floor plant and I started freaking. That's not good. If they've made it to the third floor at this point. I found one on a third floor plant. I started freaking. It was just one little mealybug. 
and uh, I, I I took it off. I looked at the other plants on the third floor. They seem to be okay, but I just feel like I feel like they are. They must be clinging to the fabric of me, and then I'm taking them around when I'm doing my watering duties or something. I don't know. I don't know how to stop them. Have you guys experienced mealybugs? There's a lot of misinformation on the internet, too. A lot of people being like, you can get to the bottom of this. This is easy. You know, just spray them down. Be diligent. And then some people being like, uh, abandon ship. So, I don't know. You know, what I what I find interesting about them is the fact that they are actually bugs. You know, when you look at them, they kind of look like um, little, like, horse, white, like, pure white, like, little snow. But if it was um, like teeny tiny horseshoe crabs. It's like a tiny snowflake that's a teeny tiny horseshoe crab. Because if you look, it's just like a circle and it's got a little tail. And the tail is what really freaks you out. Because when you see a circle, you kind of like, well, it's like a speck and it's like an organism. So I guess it's living, but I can't really tell. When something grows a freaking tail, then you know like, oh, you're dealing with a beast. Yeah. This is bestial. This is probably pre the human race. Right. Uh, but what's cool about it is it only attacks plants. Our, our yeah. cat will be safe and our, our, our bodies will be safe. Correct, Ash? That appears to be the case. Yeah. I mean, will my sanity be intact? Hard to determine. I think so. You need something. Excuse me? I'm sorry, <laughs> but you need something like this. Okay? You need something to keep you going. All right. And it's this is a project for you. And mm-hmm. honestly, when you buy a plant, there's nothing left to do but water it and give it some sun. Mm. So now that there's a third option here for you to care for these plants, it's actually like you're actively a plant owner now. Mm. Because and I, I've been waking up every morning and, and going to work, wiping these babies exactly. down. And, and you wake up and I'm like, uh, Ash, what are you going to do? Uh, we're going to do the podcast. Uh, you want to do some journaling? No, first, I have to go wipe down my plants. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, go do it. And she goes and she makes a little concoction. It takes her little, her little swab out and swabs down the plants and then comes into the uh, uh, bedroom and gives me the bad news that yet another plant is infected. So I like what it's doing to my Ashley. I think Ashley needs a little something for the winter, and I hope all our plants continue to have mealybugs. Nick, what? Well, I mean, well, I don't know. What else could you do? I mean, are you going to start beading i mean what do we do during the winter you might as well take care of mealy plants maybe i'll write a novel no you won't what the hell (laughs) sorry (laughs) you're just not gonna do it that's my plan for the winter you're just not gonna do it a friend of mine who will remain nameless i was on a a phone call i had butt dialed him which is not really a butt dial I, i my finger tapped the screen when i didn't realize my screen was open i mean that's how we all butt dial right you pull your phone out of your pocket and you realize it was unlocked and you you press the button and now you're calling your long lost uncle. Well, in this case, I called a friend of mine who lives in New York City. And uh, I've done this a couple of times to this friend. And both times um, we've taken the butt dial situation and we've just had a 15 minute conversation that was actually pretty delightful. So I'm happy that it keeps happening to this person. But I'm going to not name this person because this person is talking about uh, on this phone call was talking about the fact that. Um, they are exercising a lot more and they haven't drank all, all year and, um, trying to sort of kick the marijuana habit that, Mm. uh, you know, comes and goes, especially in quarantine. Mm. Um, uh, they were talking about, and this is in relation to you talking about, uh, what we were just talking about, about keeping busy, but I go, well, you've, you've stopped, um, 
smoking pot for long periods of time, if I remember correctly. He's like, yeah, I smoked, I stopped smoking pot for six months and I wrote a novel. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's right. You did r- stop smoking weed <laughs> for six months and in that period you wrote an entire novel. That's so impressive. Um, From beginning to end. And he's like, yeah, so maybe I should like stop for a little bit again. And I'm like, well, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe I'd write another novel. <laughs> I mean, if that, so, um, yeah, I, I feel like, uh, uh, sometimes, um, all you got to do is, uh, stop smoking weed and then you can write that novel, Ash, but you really don't smoke weed. So what, what do you, but I do eat that CBD. We do eat a lot of CBD. I don't, I don't know what, I don't think that's going to stop or start you from writing a novel. Yeah, that's my problem. I, I wonder what it is. So I wonder what it is for you. If you wanted to write a novel, what would it be that you'd need to remove from your life to give you the freedom to just write, sit down and write a novel? You know, I don't think that I have to remove anything from my life. I think it's purely a habit because the times that I have been writing the most for my own creative fulfillment, so the times when I have started a novel or when I'm keeping up with my monthly newsletter, those are all times when I'm when I actively have a writing job. And so I'm already writing like two or three hours a day um, for, you know, a show or something like that. And so then I'm just in the habit of writing. So then I just tack on an extra hour, two hours for myself. So it's really 100% a habit that I'm starting today. That's right, Nick. You're not going to see me for the rest of the day. After this pod's over, I'm going into study. I'm going to write my book. I actually, you said that you could help me with stuff today. So could you do that tomorrow? So I guess it's you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Well, listen, I need I need all of your support today, okay? It's a Monday morning and it's a, I can, ba- I am barely breathing. Oh my goodness. Don't you remember that song? Yeah, I do. I can't believe we didn't see it last night when we were watching the MTV Classics channel, which is now one of my new favorite things. MTV Classics is dope. Yeah, we um, saw Bittersweet Symphony. It's Pandora, but for music videos. And I then mean, we like saw that. a very questionable David Bowie video. Uh, I mean, what is that, China Girl? Is that yeah. the name of the song? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen the China Girl video, folks. Um, skip it, uh, unless you want to feel weird. But... um. Yeah, it's got it's he was pushing it there, I think. I mean, I guess back in 1980 or whenever the Let's Dance album came out. By the way, that song and Let's Dance on one album. Come on now. That's a great album. Those are bangers. Those are bangers. But yeah, but we were just kind of like, wow, we can't believe they're showing this video. Like, we just can't believe that it hasn't been, quote unquote, canceled, you know, or just taken that someone at MTV was like, eh, let's take this one out of the rotation. I mean, folks, I I don't want to get too much into this video because I don't even really want to talk about it. But he does the Chinese eyes thing. Yeah, he does an eye thing. I'm calling it Chinese eyes because it's. He was speaking, he's dating a Chinese girl in this, a a China girl, as he puts it. There must be some sort of commentary here with Bowie, right? And that's what we were like (laughs) debating as we were watching this. Because we literally watched this, the Bittersweet Symphony video by The Verve, the one hit wonder. And we were like, oh, old music videos. This is making us feel good. And then all of a sudden, China Girl comes on. You're like, China Girl, all right. This will be fun. And it's, it's really. I mean, honestly, the video is, I, I love the aesthetic of the video. It's kind of um, an, an aesthetic that has kind of come back around. Um, I, what I would consider w- what a vaporwave aesthetic would be. Uh, there's a lot of new musicians that make music videos that kind of aesthetically look like the China Girl video. So I was kind of 
hyped up on that a little bit, and then all of a sudden it started to reveal itself as some real racist shit. It took a turn, <laughs> and then we were, we were sitting here like, oh, maybe this is an artist commentary about um, uh, a, a, a war of some yes, kind. Yes, I was like, I was like, maybe colonialism, British colonialism, British colonialism. My little China girl. It was. This is about a, like a an old British man who met a woman. You know, I I don't know who wasn't David Bowie, and he definitely wasn't racist i i i i don't know what was going on there but i think is there's just a a lot of stuff going on in there and i mean really highlighted by the classic um terrible racist move of like pulling your eyelids back but it, it followed it followed the the actress in the video doing something it was like a back and forth so like the actress had done something that looked she made her nose. She did a pig she nose. She did a pig nose. So they were because doing I guess, faces at each other. Well, I think because Bowie kind of has like a pig nose. No, like his a nose turns bit. down. He's got like a little hook nose. I don't know. Down. Is that a thing that that, um, I don't know. that, that, that uh, people would make fun of white people about? No? I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's a white person. I think if it was, we would know and we wouldn't be. I'm going to do it to you. Okay. Are you, I, offen- see, are you just, offended by my pig nose? No, because I feel like you're just calling me a little oinky. <laughs> Oh, that's true. It, yeah. you, you really it does it does sort of reflect so oink, oinker. Yeah, it's saying you're a little fatty. <laughs> that's what I thought it was. And anyway, this is, I'm you're not a little chubby girl. in the Bowie Museum, they did not they did not harp on the the China Girl video. I think they I, skipped over it to I, be honest. Because like we spent did. a good four hours in there. We I, didn't I went see twice. It. I want twice, folks. Um, but yes, that. But regardless, the station itself, um, really fun. You get to watch music videos, and then we watched uh, the yeah, yeah, yeah video. Uh, I forgot what the name of it is, uh, but they're they're. They big don't hit. love you like I love yeah, you. Yeah, I don't remember the name of the song. But. We had a big day yesterday. I don't know if you can tell by us harping on the MTV Classics <laughs> channel, but we did we did one of probably one of the last outings we'll have in a while because it's just too cold. It's going to get too cold to sit outside and have a meal. But we walked over to um, Asbury Park yesterday. Um, nice, beautiful day. It was like cold but sunny, so it wasn't too cold. And it just felt very crispy. And Nick said it was a perfect fall day. And I disagree. It didn't feel fall because all the trees had lost their leaves. So it felt like the beginning of, of winter, a winter day. We walked around Asbury Park. We were on a mission. Um, I need a trim. I need a haircut trim. I, I got split ends. Okay. Who can, can, is this relatable? You guys got split ends. I haven't had a haircut since February. I just need someone to take off half an inch of this mop on my head. And, um, and I said, I'm available. Nick said no to Manhattan. I tried to float. How about I go to my uh, hairdresser in Brooklyn and uh, and maybe I could just go to Brooklyn and get my haircut by my hairdresser there. And Nick was like, eh, numbers are rising. The numbers are rising. Keep it local. Did you or did you not? I probably just said, that sounds stupid. Just get a haircut around here. I thought it was because of the numbers are right. I think it's more it's just stupid to do that. I mean, Asbury Park has a lot of salons. I mean, there's a lot there. Yeah, but this way, if I go into the city, I can visit a gal. Nah. I can visit a friend. Nah, we don't do that anymore. So I'm looking up salons in Asbury Park, just trying the to numbers see. numbers are rising. See, that's what I'm talking about. Looking up salons in Asbury Park, trying to figure out which one has my aesthetic. Right. Which one am I going to go for? I narrow it down to two. One is called like Boho Hair Salon. And they have like a very girly sort of like, you know, that font with like the live, laugh, love and then the arrow. And you see it at Target and it's like a pastel pink font. And I'm like, this isn't really my vibe. 
But the pictures that they have posted on their Instagram, the girls seem to have like similar hair to me, which is like long and wavy. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone who knows what to do with my hair. And then I look at this other one and it's uh, it's called Lock and Shade. And it's a little bit more, it's got an edge. People in their Instagram, they've got tattoos. You know, they've got a real sort of exposed brick, sort of industrial feel to them. And really what was the kicker was uh, their, their, I looked at their Instagram and what they posted the day Biden was declared the winner um, of the presidency, of the president, of the winner of the president. Once the he president won, he won elect, the president. He, he won, he's he won the, pres- the president. He was declared the president. He was elect. declared the winner of the president. Once that happened, I, I compared both of their posts and uh, the lock and shade, the more industrial exposed brick tattoo place, you know, their post was like, finally some light in the darkness like it's time to kick evil's ass or you know something like that it it had had a little bit more of a call to action sort of edge to it and then the the boho pinky uh target font was like um this has been a really rough year for everybody and it's just time we come together and unity and girl power and let's just women together and we can, you know, this year has been hard. And I was like, "Mm, it's a little bit softer of a message and it is going to be the deciding factor or it's going to be one of the deciding factors. The next deciding factor, the final, the nail in the coffin, so to speak, will be us walking by and looking into the window and seeing what we think. So Nick uh, agreed to go to Asbury Park and check out these two salons. The first one we walked by, it kind of, it has a vibe that's like, is that a tattoo parlor? I don't know. Maybe it's a hair salon. And then the next one, what happened when we got to the next one? Well, let me one, say the babe? first one, because the first one was the one that has the more call to action, right? Yeah. Well, it was like, yeah. It was like a little more hardcore. And then the next one was the targety place. Now, um... When I walked by that one, it was on the second floor, and I'll tell you, this is how I knew that this place was was probably the better place without even seeing the second spot. Uh, there was just a window open. You know, they kept their windows open because they're trying to, uh, you know, keep uh, airflow going. Yeah. That's an important thing, they say, uh, to keep, you know, the air cleaner is you keep windows open if you happen to be in a, like an Uber or in a car with somebody who, uh, you know, if you guys haven't been tested or if you're getting a haircut. So they had, they were by the window. You know, I was like, okay, that's cool. Uh, window open. And it wasn't a window. It was open day. It was pretty chilly out, but that's how it, you got to roll. Um, but the person who was cutting the hair, the haircut tricks, um, what do you call that person? The um, stylist. The stylist. As we were kind of looking out at the second floor window, kind of looked at at us and kind of gave us like a look of like just come in or leave and i was like oh okay this is what i like out of a human Mm. i I don't like um weird invitingness um i like when somebody's just like uh these people are looking at me in the window i'm cutting hair with a mask on just just come in and get your hair cut or keep walking yeah don't gawk yeah to me that's my type of vibe so uh, right there i'm like i kind of like this place as opposed to someone being like hey and like waving yeah, at yeah, you yeah yeah giving yeah. you like a discount card or something it's just mm-hmm. like this person was like come in or just keep going yeah and i was like i could tell that through just just with with her eyes with the glance well that's yeah. interesting yep and then as we're approaching the second place nick goes oh no oh no 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 you can't go here because it was connected to a barbershop and, and i'm gonna have the barbershop re- remain nameless 
Okay. If you might, if that's okay. That's fine. Um, I d- there's a barber shop that is in Asbury Park that has had a couple of strikes against it, and I've had people tell me, "Oh, you should go to that place. It's like a cool shop." Now, what this is is like really like one of those barber. First of all, this place was connected to this barber shop I'm talking to, the Targety place. And so, in my mind, same owner sharing a wall. One half's a salon, one half's a barber shop. I get it, right? I mean, we could yeah, probably safely say. Yeah, it seems to be. That's what's going on. I mean, it seems smart. A smart move to do if you're the owner of these places. Now, um, the reason I I immediately canceled this Targety place out without even really seeing it um, is because it was attached to this barber shop in which I, I've been told to go get a haircut at, and I refuse to for a few reasons. Number one, um, a person works there that I've come across once or twice who I don't really... I don't care for this person. Mm, so that's number one. And, and, and I don't really, it's not really a, it's, it's more like I would hate, he seems to be the main person who like cuts hair there. I would hate to have to, to c- get conversation going with this person. I just don't want to. Number two, um, the place l- is like one of these, like, and they have these in Manhattan and um, I, they have one in Williamsburg as well. They probably have a couple in Williamsburg, Brooklyn as well at this point. But it's like this, like, this is where men get their hair. It's like this new like wave of like, you need a real shave from a real, you know, a classic. Like, yeah. Go back to shrop, an art. shave, shrop, razor. You know what I it's mean? It's like, like for guys who like craft beer. It's like an artisanal barber shop. I would even not say that. I would say no. I would say these guys drink like a whiskey. Okay, the they drank a whiskey, but they're like, you would Here's imagine them wearing like. suspenders yes. and, and they doing have like silly a straight must- razor. They have like a big beard, a long beard, and like they have like a permanent part in their hair, you know, where it's like shaved on the side. And um, what we would call these, like I would say pre-2016, um, uh, these people would be called like, oh, like that hipster barbershop down there yeah. with the silly mustaches and like, like the suspenders. Greasers. Yeah, like, but now the entire aesthetic is like Proud Boy aesthetic. It's just like mustaches, beards, camp, like really tight, faded hair with a permanent fucking part in it. Collared shirts buttoned up all the way at the top. Those like those Proud Boy shirts. Like, what are those? Think Fred, Fred, Mark, Fred. Yeah, what are they um, called? Uh, And Fred, uh, shit. Pause. No, fuck it. I don't care about pausing. It's, it's that's like bitly, pr- it's literally but it's not. It's literally the shirt, the uniform, the Proud Boy uniform. It's like style of shirt that you could buy. There's a, there is a in a NoHo. You can go to the store and they have it's a polo shirt with like a little like uh, crest on the side. It's like and, two pieces of ivy going up, like a, a oh crown. whatever it is. Uh, you know, it used to be skinheads. Fred Perry. Fred Perry, skinheads, but like, but like nice skinheads used to wear, right? Fred non-racist skinhead right it used to be like for punks and now like it's british like, ska non-racist right skinheads. and now it's like see the proud boys have taken the black with the brown trim and that and uh it, it's and it's that aesthetic you know barber pole you know uh hot lather shaving um it, 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 there's something about it that i didn't I didn't jive with pre-2016, and now I'm completely revolted by uh, this idea of, like, we're men. We do things that men do. And it's like, we're not against women, but, like, women can't come in here. You know what I mean? Like, you don't come in here. We're not going to cut your hair. You can drop your man off in the front and pick him up later and make sure he has a 
fucking sandwich at home to eat. You know, I just kind of, I'm sorry. These people, they, they, it just creeps me out. And so this one barber shop in Asbury Park is like that. And uh, it happens to be attached to the other uh, salon in question. And so immediately I was like, oh, oh no, can't happen. And then I looked in that actual salon next door and there was somebody working in there and it was just cheesy. It's like lots of pink, lots of bamboo furniture, lots of um, sort of like jungly vibe, big leafed plants, you know, like rubber plants and all of that. Very Instagrammable, very feminine, sort of the the other side of the coin to the Opposite, barber shop. Right, right. Um, and yeah, I we ruled it out. We ruled it out, and I'm going with the other place. <clears throat> oh, well, this is the main thing I forgot. I had walked by or driven by this barber shop recently and they have um their entrance is a garage door so they do open the entire garage door the guy cutting hair and this was the guy in question this is the guy i was avoiding did not have a mask on cutting hair this was like in september i'm like are you kidding me like that at that point it's just like if you are honestly if you are like questioning masks or anything like that i i don't even don't tell me number one don't write in. Just unfollow us and go away. I can't. I absolutely cannot stand. When you question masks, I unfollowed somebody just now on, on Instagram, a person I, I went to school with in elementary school. I, I had heard that person was an anti-masker. And then I was like, I haven't seen anything from this person. And then I actually just was on their story. And I guess they were getting ballsy enough to start posting stuff on their actual story that I'm seeing. Or maybe I just don't go on Instagram anymore. But I just get I don't want to get into this. But like the idea that this person was cutting hair. I mean, there's, is there anything more face to face? Maybe if you were ma- maybe if I went to that shop, the only thing that would be more face to face is if I went to that shop. <laughs> And instead of getting a haircut, I laid on my back and this man made love to me missionary style. Oh, my God. Maybe that would be <laughs> more intimate than somebody touching your ear, putting their like getting their eyes really close to your hairline. They're, first of all, they're also above you, breathing their nostril air into your mouth, basically. I mean, it's just like the idea in September of 2020, not wearing a mask while you're giving a haircut. And then just being like, yeah, well, we have a garage door that opens, so it's like the air flows. It's like you're licking me, basically. Like, you're so close to me. Anyway, that completely put me off. And so when I saw the fact that this second haircut place was the salon was next to that, I was like, N- I will ne- over my dead body, Ashley Brooke Roberts, over my dead body. Speaking of anti-maskers, T-Rav coming in hot. Travis... Thomas. Thomas Ravenel. <laughs> we refuse to call him as by his real name. We haven't watched this. Oh, season. oh, you're trying to tell me Thomas Ravenel is an anti-masker? Did you see That's this? That's so tweet? weird. He seems like such a good guy. Do you see the tweet I sent yeah, you I, and Julia? I, I saw it. I saw it. Should a hotel or restaurant impo- impose a mask requirement when there's no government requirement? Please, if you value your freedom, fight back by refusing to tip. That's a great that's wow. a great way. Take it out on the waitress. That's what wow. I say. Because usually the waitress that's serving you your fucking drink is the one who owns the restaurant slash bar. So yeah, take it out on your waitress. Here's the thing. If you're mad at the government, this is what I say. Just punch your mailman in the fucking head. When he walks up to the just give him a just because he's the one doing it. 
you re- the taxes are high because the mailman says so. So kick him in the throat. T-Rav is a fucking idiot. Thomas Ravenel. I hope he dies of something painful. Nick, oh I'm my sorry. God. I want him to die. Southern Charm. Bravo, Southern I'm not going to do it. I will never do that. I'm not threatening him. I'm just wishing bad luck on this man. I hope he walks out of his fucking plantation door, steps on a rake. The rake hits him between the eyes. He then trips. He steps into a bucket. He tries to get the bucket off his boot. As he's pulling the bucket off his boot, he falls down into his swimming pool, hits his head, and dies. That's all I'm saying. Jesus. He has kids, Nick. Well, I hope they live. Okay, so someone responded to his tweet, ugh, it's not the server's fault. And then he responded to that person, which I think we can all agree. We, we, uh, this is the voice of reason. Amy said, ugh. Thank you, Amy. It's not the server's fault. Because we all know it's not the server's he has, fault. He has no idea, though. He's never worked really in his life. He has no idea. That's true. And then he responded to Amy with, you're an entitled asshole. These people should value their worth enough to leave these spineless bosses and find much better employment as if people can just walk away from jobs because they disagree with the mask mandate. I'm back on his side. What the freak? (laughs) I do like that he out the gate. You're an entitled asshole. Can you imagine what what T Rav deals with? Like as far as comments, the fact that he's still a public figure is unfucking believable. Apparently, and I don't know because I haven't watched this season of Southern yeah. Charm. I, I wanted to watch. To, I refused to, but apparently, according to the Southern Charm Reddit, he has made an appearance on the show this season. You're absolutely kidding. Bravo. And Bravo. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, <laughs> wait, hold on. Wait a minute. I mean like Bravo the you're, network. You're, yeah. I'm not saying Bravo. You're scolding the, the channel. <laughs> I'm saying Bravo. Bravo. What are you doing? This guy's like a fucking... He's like a monster. Yeah, we all have agreed. Just give us a fucking Craig show and and move on. I, For real. Craig, I want to see Craig. Let Craig move to like, I want to see Craig move to like Los Angeles and or, or something or New York City and try to make it in New York. Just I mean, it's not the time. Just have a show called Crafts with Craig where he makes pillows. Where he asks his friends to come over to make his pillows for yeah, him. Yeah, and he on. And he gets some, what he does is he throws a party and he gets everybody to make pillows for him and he provides food as long as you bring it and that would be the craig show crafts with craig crafts with craig getting crafty with craig and then uh, austin would come over and they do craft beers with austin yeah this come is on the, this is the show i would watch and getting shit faced with shep come on face with shep come on and who else is on that show that we like um i guess danny Danny is on that show still. Dancing I don't know. with Danny. I still want to watch the show. I kind of am gonna. I think I'm gonna go back and watch it. You're gonna be watching it on your own, big boy. Well, we're watching a lot of shows right now, and I'm kind of in the Bravo mood a bit. So. Yeah, we should actually get into our reality shows that we watch. Yeah, and you know what? Let's not even take a break. I'm fired up. Let's just do it. Unless you need to. Do you need to break? Okay, Ash is biting her bottom lip. I think she's got a poopy in the chamber, guys. How dare you? <laughs> what the fuck? All right, we're gonna take a break. We'll be back. And we're going to talk about a couple TV shows, all in the reality world, sort of. Stick around. Folks, we are back. Wow. We, we have three television shows we want to talk to you about. Um, and we got fresh coffee. You got some fresh coffee. And I have to sneeze. Do you? Do you want me to pause while you sneeze? Yeah. All right. We're going to pause for a sneeze. Sneeze, pause. We're back. We're back. Uh, real quick sneeze pause. Um, you guys, he didn't even let me finish these, and he just hit pause and then unpaused it. <laughs> you guys got to I hear the for you, a second. You get to hear the recoil 
from the sneeze, bro. Wow. Um, so we have a couple of shows that we watched. Um, two that are brand new to us and uh, are kind of um, maybe new shows. I don't really know uh, how they're doing it over there on the HBO Max. If they're dropping them all at once, I can't really tell. Or if the shows have been out for a while and we just haven't known. But like the first one I want to talk to you about, or we want to talk to you about, is this show called Selena Plus Chef. Yeah, is that Selena and Chef or Selena Edition Chef? Selena Plus <laughs> it's a, Chef. It's Selena Plus Sign and then Chef. It's on the... um. HBO Max. HBO Max. Are you maxing? Are you maxing? We're maxing out over here. It's um, starring Selena Gomez, who has decided that during quarantine, she wants to learn how to cook, and she's got this brand new kitchen, and so she's going to have every episode, she has um, a chef teach her a dish remotely. So there's uh, a lot of like really professional camera work going on. They put cameras up all over the place, and the chef walks her through step-by-step each dish, and um, it is absolutely 100% delightful. I was ready to hate this show, and I love it. And I think it's it's 90% of the reason I love it is because Selena Gomez has, like, a very relatable girl-next-door vibe. And she gets um, – we watched two apps, and on both apps, she had a fun rapport with the, the chef. And I learned something with each chef. And what else? I just think this is a, a good show. I was surprised – I'm kind of like not super into cooking shows. That's sort of Nick's alley. Well, we we kind of maxed out, not to use the max out again, but I'm going to. We kind of maxed out on our cooking shows a bit, haven't we? Yeah, we overdid it. We overdid the cooking shows. So I I sort of feel that um, there's not much of a difference in any of these shows. A cooking competition show is always the same show always right it's never different it's hard to talk about even though we like watching them just because i think they're like they're like tv pacifiers they just kind of make you feel okay yeah you put it on the background you clean your house and um but the uh you know then there are the ones that are just like people who kind of just teach you how to make something where it's just like a chef's show like like something like a like a barefoot contessa or something like that where you're just watching a person prepare a meal for like a fake person to come over later and eat it. Those are boring. There's nothing to report on those. And this, I would say they're on their way out. All these shows are very sterile and they're very predictable um and clean and and uh boring i mean they're just kind of boring i I like the cooking competition shows but like it's still the same shit as i was saying this show here's what i like about it there's no competition here but there is a pass fail selena does need to make this meal in order for her her fun friends who she's quarantining with yeah she's quarantining with her grandparents grandparents two best friends and her two best friends in like a gorgeous house with a gorgeous kitchen that she just moved into oh it's so wonderful i want a tour of the house here's why this show is good it's not as sterile. There, you see the cracks of this show, the way it's produced and the way it's shot, and uh, she just is. She feels like she doesn't really know what's going on half the time, but she's just taking the you know uh, the 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 tips from the chefs and the directions from the chefs. And in both episodes that we watched, she completed what she was trying to make, and. Um, it was, she was so impressed with herself 
and and not in a shitty way, not in like look how good I am, but like you could tell she had no idea that she'd be able to pull any of these dishes off. And the fact that she cooked them and then fed them to her friends, and her and her friends were like, "This is delicious, way to go!" You could just tell like there was like a so such pride mm-hmm. in what, and so there there was sort of like a winner at the end. And I feel like it was it's Selena every episode, but then we win because we get to share in her joy. We were there through the whole struggle of her trying to cook this omelet i can't believe how charming this freaking show is it's really charming and then the way that it's shot this is the best version of a zoom show i've seen so far in my opinion something close to this ash and we talked about this and bagged on it for an episode is haircut night in america Mm-hmm. So on CBS, they mm-hmm. did this thing um, a couple months ago called Haircut Night in America, where um, they were basically it was uh, what's it? Jerry O'Connell mm-hmm. and his wife and his wife Rebecca Romaine, Rebecca Romaine, and uh, they were basically hosting a show from their house where people were giving themselves their own haircuts, and they would have like a a stylist, a famous stylist to the stars on a Zoom, kind of helping them along and telling them what to do. And it was a bust, in my opinion. Um, what was the big thing at the end? Uh, what's her name? Lindsay Lohan Lindsay was Lohan. like, I'm going, I'm going to blow dry my hair. Was yeah. the thing. That was like the, what they were working up to was Lindsay Lohan giving herself a blowout. And by the way, she had her assistant there in Dubai with her and her assistant basically gave her the blowout. It yeah. was... It, it was ridiculous, and you know we watched this thing to talk about it on the show, but it was awful, and the way that it was filmed was was it was it was shitty. It just didn't work. Well, it had the th- the way it was filmed is that they were like really using Zoom, where they were like talking into the camera and like getting close and stuff. Whereas this, Selena has just or a camera crew or whoever has just put cameras around her kitchen, you know over her stove things like that so it doesn't it, and so she's talking to them straight on but it doesn't feel like so it doesn't feel like it's trying to get that zoom vibe they they are communicating through zoom or Clearly, through Skype, some sort of the chef and Selena. telecommunication and they're, they're looking at each other and talking to each other in real time but we are not generally seeing that perspective we are seeing like a regular they've just put cameras all over these kitchens what's nice about this is you don't have to move much you're not you don't need a person a cameraman walking around following you with stuff and then when they needed to when they need to do close-ups the people that they're quarantining with have little cameras and they do close-ups of the chopping and the slicing and so and we get to see that we're not they're not hiding that from us when you get to see the full perspective you get to see that the people around them are holding cameras very diy i'm sure there's a producer around oh my god this is heavily produced oh you mean mean, like like, in the house i'm sure there's production in the house somewhere yeah but they all get i mean we're far enough in a quarantine where they know how to do this correctly people get tested they quarantine there's no way there's not a sound guy in each house right sound is so important it's so well done it's kitschy it's cute it's fun um you could really learn how to make this stuff there one of the fir- the first episode we watched was um Selena plus sh- or Selena with or Selena and chef Ludo who is i guess a really heralded uh, french chef do you know anything about him i just like him that's what i know boisterous personality 
um, uh, lives in, I think he lives in America with his uh, uh, wife who seems to be an American because she was there to sort of translate yep. um, for them. Uh, and Chef Ludo is kind of loud, boisterous. He seems fun. And in the first episode... He kept saying, Selena. The, 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 the first thing that he had Selena make was uh, a French omelet, just like the classic omelet. And I know, folks, it sounds like an omelet, an omelet, but if you've ever gone to like a nice restaurant for brunch or um, just a French restaurant, and you've gotten the omelet there, you know that when you're eating that omelet, it doesn't taste like the shit that you're cooking in your dumb kitchen. Something's different. He teaches her how to do this, and there's a bunch of steps, but it was so gratifying to see her make this omelet, and it worked out so well. The next morning, I put those tips to use on my eggs. And were wow. they good, Ash? Yeah, they were the best you've ever done. Yes, I did it. And uh, honestly, I had picked up I'd picked up some tips on how to make an egg earlier in, in uh, quarantine. But uh, these kind of reinforced the things that I was doing. And um, I really stuck to what the, the Chef Ludo said, how to prepare these eggs. And I'll tell you what, folks, delicious eggs. So I learned something from this as well, uh, which is always a, always a bonus. Not, not ne- necessary for me to enjoy television, but a bonus, would you say? I like walking away a little bit smarter, a little bit more prepared, and a little bit hungrier. And that's what this show is providing. And also, I can't get—I can't say this enough. I don't know anything about Selena Gomez besides she was a Disney gal. She sings. She was in Spring Breakers. She dated Justin Bieber. I guess I know a lot about her, but I've never seen her be herself. I've never watched a Selena interview or seen anything that is considered to be, you know, off the cuff with Selena Gomez. And I have been charmed by who she is. She is charming. She seems very real. And the real person that she is seems to be kind of like, you'd want to maybe be friends with her. She's she's down to earth. She's, and she's not overly, it's always like, she's not overly excited to do this. Um, she seems pumped to do it. But like, there's always aspects where she's like, I don't really, she always looks like it's like somebody like wakes her up and goes, Selena, you have to shoot with Chef Ludo. And they're like, oh, and she like runs into the kitchen and, you know, she's wearing, like, really comfortable active wear. Love her clothes. You know, and... Uh, Love her whole look. Her yeah. makeup. She's got makeup on, but it's natural. It's natural makeup. And she runs in there, and then she's like, okay, what am I doing? What am I doing? And then, like, uh, they kind of, And then they have... Uh, what's nice is they have... A, they, they kind of gain uh, a little rapport throughout the episode because they've never met. But... Uh, and then the whole thing is that each chef gets to donate... Or, or uh, Selena Gomez donates... $10,000 to the chef's uh, charity of choice at the end of this thing. So you hear a little bit about a charity. So it's, Is she donating it? I thought they, HBO Max They was. are donating yeah. it. They are donating it. So, um, I mean, that's that's pretty much the show. The first one we watched was with Chef Ludo, and what they made was an omelet, and then they made a souffle, right? Yeah, but she knocked the omelet out of the park, and then the souffle wasn't souffle completely l- done. Souffle looked good, but wasn't completely done, which is apparently like, the toughest thing to make. But they um, ate the, the top of they it. They ate the top of it, and they loved it. They were very impressed with themselves and then the second thing the second chef was alexandra is that correct antonia antonia i forgot her last name you Starts have with an on, l you have it on uh, yeah hold on, on. talk about it while i look it up uh this is a chef that uh, i talked about um a show that i first saw this chef on very early in core um which was this like march madness competition i thought it was quar whatever quarantine quarantine so you just say quar because i say quarantine right okay um, sh- but, uh, her, her name is Chef Antonia Lafaso, 
And um, she, I think, owns a couple of restaurants in Los Angeles, like really nice restaurants. And she's apparently like a competition queen, this woman. Like she's won a bunch of competitions and came in as like the first or second seed in this competition between all of these top chefs who compete in these things. And um, was very impressive on that show. And then she popped up on this show. I was like, oh, I know Antonia LaFasso. She's great. Um, she's got a lot of attitude. She's a lot of fun in the kitchen. And uh, she was having a blast. She loved um, uh, that she was able to be on this show and and get to hang out with Selena Gomez for a little bit. And uh, that's another thing that was kind of fun. The chefs, not necessarily starstruck, but the first chef, uh, Chef Ludo, like it, you know, when she he had a moment while they were like whisking some eggs, was like, I know all of your music because of my daughter. My daughter knows all of your music. And, and Selena got really excited about that. And then uh, her, the daughter kind of rolled into the kitchen at one point and like saw Selena Gomez on the on the computer and was like starstruck. And uh, it was kind of a fun moment because they were they are coming from each other's homes. You get to yeah. see their kitchens. It's incredible. I love how they must have like a meeting with the chefs and like have some sort of a chemistry test beforehand because the the way that they talk to each other, they don't, you know, they don't really know each other, but there's such a um, comfortable relaxedness there. Like with Chef Ludo, he kept like scolding her. He'd be like, no, Selena. And I just, I love that he felt he had the freedom to scold her, you know, because I assume dealing with a celebrity, even if you are a celebrity chef, there's probably something there where it's like, yeah, but I can't talk to her like I would talk to a normal person. She's freaking Selena Gomez, Justin Bieber's one and only true love. Um, and so I feel like, I don't know, they must have had a meeting beforehand where they're like, you know, be yourself. Selena can take it, dish it out. She's going to dish it back to you because it felt very natural. I enjoyed that uh, during the first episode, Chef Ludo burned his eggs. Oh, yeah. He was trying to tell Selena how to deal with her eggs and had to like got a little embarrassed and had to restart his eggs. Um, and, uh, so the second episode with Chef Antonio LaFaso was, uh, they made, um, oh, they made this like squid salad. It was, and yeah, it was a seafood octopus. They had to take octopus or squid. What was it? it? Yeah. Is they had the same. They're not the same. Octopus no, they had octopus and then they had calamari, which is not octopus by the way. Um, but the, she had to take this like full octopus out and like chop it up and put it in a bag, Selena. And she almost threw up like six times. Yeah, she was it, gagging. It was incredible. Like she couldn't believe. I'm sure the smell was bad, but it is dealing with a full octopus uncooked is weird. It is definitely strange. Yeah, a it's strange an alien situation. being. Yeah, and she was gagging, and all her friends were like, "Oh no, we're gonna have to eat that." No. And then it was the most delicious thing they'd ever had. Yeah, they made tostada. Uh, like a seafood tostada, and it was um, unbelievable looking. It looks so good. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I mean, Selena plus Chef or whatever on a, I mean, there's a couple episodes. I think I'm going to keep watching. I think this is a great I'm in. thing. I'm in. I'm in. I'm just, it's kind of hitting the spot right now. It really I mean, we're is. We're in the holiday season. Got Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday. Let's let's watch some cooking shows. And honestly, how many times can you watch the, a new season of the Holiday Baking Championship on fucking Food Network? It's the same fucking shit. Over Duff, it. Duff is the host. Uh, we get it, Duff. Rockstar Baker Duff, whatever your name is. So, um, uh, yeah, that was the first show. The next show I guess we're going to talk about is also on HBO Max, and it's a show called Full Bloom. Ash, why don't you explain to these fine folks what this show is about? This is a competition show, your classic competition elimination show. Think Great British Bake Off. Think um, any of those shows, but the medium 
that we're working with, the thing that we are competing against each other with are our floral abilities. These are florists. They're going head to head to create arrangements to impress the judges and hopefully move on to the next week. And then, um, you know, I think the goal is to be crowned number one floral master on the show. Um, so yeah, this is, we're coming at the show. We're looking at it. We're watching it. We're going, this is going to be so colorful. This is going to be so fun. They're making these really intricate arrangements. They have fun prompts. Like, um, well, first off every week they have like an individual, um, assignment, which would be something like create a cascading, uh, floral pattern. And then, you know, we'll judge that based on flow and make sure you have your hero flower is very obvious, which a hero flower, by the way, we learned this from the show is the flower that is the star of the arrangement. Okay. So it's the flower that is, um, sticking out the most. It is what all the other flowers are there to support. So imagine a rose, an orchid, that sort of a thing. Um, then after they do the individual competitions, they have team competitions and the team competitions are very cool. So far we've watched two episodes. They're large scale. So they're not like, you know, small sort of bouquet type arrangements. These are huge mural arrangements. So the first one was to recreate a Van Gogh painting out of flowers. And, um, so imagine like Van Gogh's sunflower painting. Now put that, uh, to the size of a mural made out of flowers. So beautiful. And the next assignment, the next team thing was like create a 3D window display for a very hip store in LA. So it's it's interesting because you get to see things on a small scale and a large scale and they're working with flowers and it's beautiful and also right. you're learning stuff. All and right, yet all right, all right. Listen, the listen. show and yet the show puts me to sleep. All right, so let's talk Puts about this sleep. here. Here's what the good parts about the show is. It's a pretty show to watch. The set design is really nice. The The color arrangements, you get to watch like gorgeous flowers being put together. I mean, it's really a vibrant, nice show. Everybody's outfits kind of are complimentary to like Everyone the scenery. Everyone looks cool as hell. It looks dope. I mean, the, the person who kind of designed this show it, it should have their own show. It's a very, very nice looking show. Here are the problems, okay? Here's the main issue for a person like me. Dumb guy Nick, right? Dumb guy Nick just likes watching competition reality. Dumb guy Nick knows about food. Dumb guy Nick has eaten food before. Dumb guy Nick knows that like, if like uh, you're making a cake and when you cut into the cake, it's raw on the inside, that that's a fail, right? Dumb guy Nick knows that. Dumb guy Nick's not a chef. He's not a baker, but he knows that raw food means fail for the most part. Dumb guy Nick knows uh, when he's watching pottery, right? He knows that if the pottery cracks in the kiln, that's a that's a fail. That's you've, bad. You've done something bad there. Uh, when you're trying to make a, a bowl that holds salad or holds soup, and then you put the soup in there, and then the soup dribbles out the bottom, dumb guy Nick knows that that's not how the bowl should work. You did a good, bad job. Here's what dumb guy Nick doesn't know. Whether or not a floral arrangement is meeting a florist's you know, uh, level of uh, pleasure. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I can't... The three hosts on here are telling me and me, the audience, Dumb Guy Nick, and also the other people in the competition that like, hey, listen, I, I, I don't really get your vibe here. And um, we're trying to make this look like it's floating in the air and has like a lot of... Uh, 
that there's flow to it. Movement. Movement. And honestly, I'm not really seeing that the hero flower is having any movement. And then goes to the next person and being like, wow, your flow is great. Your movement's great. I love your hero flower. You look at the two arrangements. For the most part, Dumb Guy Nick sees the same thing. I'm seeing the same thing. You have a bouquet of flowers. You've used roses in a certain pattern. You're using fishing wire to make it give give me the uh, the the look of uh, oh, it's floating in air. I'm not seeing the fishing wire. Both things look like they're floating in this box. I have no base of knowledge that will allow me to see what these people are doing and go, oh, that's gonna be good, or oh, that's bad. I just have no idea so far because you're not creating the flowers. The flowers look gorgeous. They go to the back and they pick a bunch of gorgeous bloomed flowers and put them in their arrangement. And so I'm seeing gorgeous roses, gorgeous mums, gorgeous orchids, and they're arranged in pretty colors. And dumb guy Nick goes, that's great. And then the guy with the stupid hat on who's a, who's a, uh, a judge goes, that's awful. Uh, and doesn't really under know why it's just being like, it's just I'm not feeling it. It's a little too the critiques and the differences between the arrangements are a little too nuanced, and they're not being really verbalized to the extent that the audience can take in what the the separating um, details are. So, like you know, I I mean I kind of agree with what Nick is saying because. He's right. The the it seems very subjective for the judges cuz with food, you know, you can be like, "Well, you burnt the thing here," you know, but that's not really what's happening here. This is more of like I just don't feel that it has the sort of um use of negative space I would hope for. And I mean, what they're doing is they're critiquing art, and that's really what it what makes it difficult because that is a, a subjective thing to some extent. I, I feel like I can understand why one arrangement is better than the other arrangement. I, I feel like I get that as an audience member. What I don't get is um, like it's not pronounced enough to make it engaging. Does that make sense? Like it's not like there's not enough of a fail or enough of a triumph to really grab me. It's like, these are all kind of the same, but one's a little different. Ash, I got, we got to pause here. You got to run out. Uh, the wind just knocked over one of your plants that you're trying to save. One of the on, mealy plants? On the, go ahead and go grab it. Okay. Go fix it. I'll talk to these folks. We don't have to pause because I do have other things I want to say. Um, okay. So that's my, that's my number one problem is really just the entire um, basis of the show. Like, we are going to take all of these florists and one of them is going to be the best. And I can't tell what is the best and what is the worst. I mean, Ashley is claiming right now that she can tell. I, I think she's trying to front, folks. I, I don't think. Sorry, I just don't think she can tell. Now, here's, I don't want to get into it, but now here's the other part. The, the, the judges slash hosts are not very good. I just don't think that they're good. There's one guy on there who clearly wishes uh, he was the only host. O- only person who was a judge or a host. He, he's, he's taken over. He's completely taken up all of the space, chewed up all of the scenery. Seems um, to be some resentment. And and the other f- two people are kind of like look at him and go like, okay, like I guess you're going to go on your rant here. He's also like cruel to, I think overly cruel to some of the people that yeah. he doesn't like their thing. Like it's like, 
The only way I know that this person is not going to do well when they get graded is while they're like doing the competition, they'll cut to this particular host and that host will be like, oh no, don't even try to do that. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, so that person's going to lose. And then they go to like the competition and the two people are the judging and the two other folks are like, yeah, I like your use of this and, and I could have used a little less of that. And then they get to this person. They're like, I like this, but I need to tell you something right now. And I'm going to be brutally honest. What you did over here hurts me. It's awful. And you're like, oh my God, like, why is this person shitting on this poor florist so much? Also, the people in the competition don't, don't own, like, they're all like, I really want to get into being a florist. Like, they're not professionals. Yeah, they are. Some of them are. And I yeah, can't really, are. some of them, but some of them are not. And I feel like it's unfair. And the other part is, um, I think that, um, the hosts like did not we did not get a profile on these hosts enough for me to be like, oh, I would listen to what that guy has to say. I know that one of them makes flower arrangements for the queen, but he's also the guy who talks the least. Yeah, he's like the <laughs> actual host and does all the, like the gives the instructions because he's got the best voice. He's a British guy, uh, funny little outfits, funny little mustache. <laughs> Um, you know, I, another thing about the guy who wants to be the main host, something that he does is he makes like critiques that I don't have any frame of reference for understanding. And then he doesn't follow it up with a lesson. Like he'll be like, your use of this flower and this flower is so 2003. And then yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, that's interesting. So I guess flowers have... Uh, flower arrangements ha are dated in a way. I'd love to hear more about that. And then they just move on to the next thing. I'll be honest. The guy's kind of entertaining. It's, it's yeah, not entertaining. It wouldn't be a show without him. Right. It's not his fault. They probably told him, like, you need to be the one who goes off on these people. Right. Because the woman's doing nothing. Yeah, She's just not like, doing... oh, I like that. Yeah. And so, um, like... Like, yeah, like he, he said in the episode we watched, we watched two episodes. The one we watched last night, he said something that looked like a like a, a rose parade float or whatever, yeah. um, and not in a good way. Yeah. Like, you know, and so I'm like, okay, so I'm kind of understanding what he means there. Like, you don't want it to look like a float. Right. But I don't know what makes something look like a float and what doesn't. In like, a good way and in a bad yeah, way. Yeah, like, like what is the, what would be the difference? What did this person do that made this the bad way? Right. Nothing, you know. Now, the contestants are okay. There's not much personality in the contestants, really. All the personality comes from the judges, which I kind of find to be wrong. I feel like it's flip-flopped. Like, you should have had more eccentric personalities as contestants to me be like, oh, I like the rock star guy. Oh, I'm really into this guy. Like, so far, like, there's like a fat, bald, I like the fat straight guy, guy yeah. who's like there, who it's just kind of like, oh, you're like a fat, bald, white, straight guy. And like... Doesn't seem like this would be your forte. He sweats a lot. You sweat a lot, you know? And so I'm like, that's kind of interesting. The rest of the people don't have... There, We got a little bit of a story, which I believe made Ashley cry a tiny bit. There's a black man on the show who's gay, and he was telling his story like, this is really important to me because it's really tough to be in this industry as a non-straight, non-white man. Um, so... That, I guess we got a little bit. I'm like, okay, this guy's name is Rob, I think, possibly. And it's like, all right, Rob, like, 
here's a story. Like let's hands down the most compelling. Right, and it's just like okay. Everyone else is the the backstory blending into the to the flowers. Like (laughs) I blame production because I think you can make someone's backstory interesting no matter who they are. And these like flashbacks to who these people like who these people are and where they come from and stuff have been really watered down in a way that's not entertaining. Yeah, it, it just it's not doing it for me on there. Now if the if the hosts were contestants. I'd be like, oh, my God, the guy with the hat, you know, the guy who's got a lot to say about everything. Like, I'm pulling for that guy. He's my favorite. But he's the he's got the power. So I'm like, eh, he's being mean to people. I don't like it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I don't know if we're going to go back to this one. I would have it in the background while I'm doing something else just because it's pretty. But it has put me to sleep both times we've watched it. it. I've fallen asleep. I've watched them both, but I, I stay up later than Ashley. So that's how that works. And finally, our last television show. We're just going to briefly touch on this, but we are committing ourselves to the Salt Lake City Housewives franchise. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, folks. Uh, episode two was last Wednesday. And I'll be honest, this is actually delivering, in my opinion. Love it. I think this is a good series. Um, it's not much different. I mean... It's diverse, first off. It's a little diverse. It's a little diverse. It's a little diverse. I mean, they've done the best they can in Salt Lake City, I think. But it's better than Beverly Hills. It's what is interesting about it is the the religious overtones. The fact that they're playing by different rules here. The, the hierarchy in Salt Lake City has something to do with Mormonism. So it's interesting to me that there is that aspect at play here. When normally it's wealth and um and profile in all these other cities fame you know um zip codes you know um here there is that but there's also the the top of the top is are you a good mormon um seems to be like a big thing they're all dealing with here very interesting to me i'm not i'm put kind of not put off but i'm not really interested in i may have mentioned this last week in like the sister wives sort of exploitive um tlc style of the mormonism uh lds as they call it latter-day saints yeah stuff i don't know i just don't really you know i don't the polygamy stuff and and the way that they kind of portrayed on some of these shows i'm sure it's fine i've seen a little bit of it but not really that compelling to me i kind of find it to be weird this is compelling to me people who are just trying to stay in like the social the socialite scene of salt lake city and having the religious aspect be a part of it is very interesting to me agreed um and so it's really happening here and 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 there seems to be a couple of uh people who have turned against um really the top of the tops on this show which is um uh, a woman named lisa who seems to be sort of like um little miss perfect and, and maybe the most wealthy out of all of them she definitely has the highest profile because she's heavily connected to sundance the sundance Fe- film festival like that apparently she is like the socialite to be in touch with during that festival which means she has access to celebrities she does seem to be like on a higher level than the rest of the ladies or at least she is presenting herself that way and she owns a liquor company with her husband which is interesting to me because they're not not allowed to drink liquor yeah so there, there is something interesting because she is kind of carrying herself as like a like a top shelf mormon woman and uh in the church of uh mormonism you, you're not allowed to drink alcohol so the idea that she sells this thing and that's okay but she doesn't imbibe is interesting it's 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 you know it's flawed in in, in certain well, ways well she drinks 
Does she drink? I think I've seen her drink before. I mean, she did order know. water last night at the table. I don't know. I don't know if she drinks. I have no idea. But I like the drama. I like that this this woman's odor gland operation. Has Mary, now, right? Is that her name, Mary? Yeah, has now spanned two episodes. My God, getting her odor glands removed. Mary, who is um, the woman who married her step grandfather after her grandmother passed away, and it was her grandmother's wishes in her will that uh, this happened is what she says. And um, Mary is not Mormon. Um, she goes to, uh, she is a, uh, w- what kind of a church is that? I think she, oh, crap. She's not Protestant. She's some sort of a Christian. She speaks in tongues at the, at the. Pentecostal. She's Pentecostal. And she is like the Pentecostal priest. Like she runs the church. Um, so she's, eccentric in her own way um married her step-grandfather had all she she got into a fight last week over something that happened before the show with another cast member named jen because jen had spent um the whole day with her aunt in the hospital who her aunt had a um her both her legs amputated that day and then she jen i guess went to lunch (laughs) Um, and mary went to lunch and she made a comment mary made a comment that said boy you smell like hospital or it smells like hospital in here, and she got grossed out. And Jen couldn't believe that how how um, uh, flippant and disrespectful um, that she was by saying that after her aunt had both legs amputated that day. And this fight is continued um, into the second episode. And Mary's whole thing is that she cannot handle. She doesn't like what comes to mind when she smells what she considers hospital because she had to spend three months in the hospital and it was the worst time of her life and the reason why she was in the hospital is because she was getting all of her odor glands removed you can't make this stuff up people fantastic mary is an excellent excellent addition uh to the housewives uh, to the lexicon of housewives really impeccable um clothing choices i love her style she's got whack weird style but it's like all of her all of her stuff is like runway chanel yeah so Mary's incredible. Lisa is is very much to me like a Lisa Vanderpump, like top of the heap, don't cross her type lady, which I really like. Um, I really, en- and everybody's gotten problems. There's this woman, Heather, on the show, and Heather um, is divorced, which kind of puts her lower on the totem pole of mormons in this community in this socialite community and she's been crossed by lisa because even though they went to byu together and they know each other from all the social scenes when asked lisa claimed that she really didn't know heather which heather took and i agree as a way of being like she's kind of below me i'm not going to really recognize her in that way and so heather has an axe to grind with lisa which is fantastic um heather's got her own issues going on she i think also feels a little strange because maybe she doesn't fit in the uh like her body type doesn't fit like some of the more socialite uh salt lake city Interesting. girls she didn't bring that up she did in the first episode she oh. doesn't fit in the cookie cutter 
way. She did. And she's a she's a bigger lady than some of these sort of twiggy folks. Her ex husband comes from Mormon royalty because um his like grandfather was Hugh ha- no, not Hugh Hefner. Who was the extra- eccentric um Hugh Hefner folks? Who was the eccentric millionaire that the aviator is based off of? The oh, movie? Uh, um Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes was upset like really into Mormons and had hired her ex-husband's grandfather to be his driver and then when he passed he left him millions and millions of dollars it's pretty interesting folks and i um i also like um there's a woman named meredith who have who uh, her he and her she and her husband and her son um moved from chicago to salt lake city so she could uh she's starting a jewelry business there or something Correct. like that yeah and uh, Meredith, it's it, uh, her situation is interesting because her and her husband are separated, and which we didn't know until we this didn't week's app. And so there's like uh, there's some issues going on there, and there was he a really look at her phone. dramatic scene at a restaurant in which um, she wanted. She said, uh, "You won't." He said, "You won't ever give me your phone to look through it. You could look through my phone. Go ahead, but you have something to hide." And she's like, "I'm not going to look through your phone, and you're not going to look through my phone. That's weird. We're not doing that." And then uh, they ordered their their meal, and then as they cut away from the scene, Ashley goes, mm, "She doesn't like him anymore." Yeah, she does. You doesn't. could tell. You could tell. I, I couldn't really tell style. what was going on. She He's, doesn't like him anymore. She just doesn't like him anymore. And that seems to be uh, a big storyline that goes through this season is their uh, their issues. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of a fun show. I mean, uh, the third episode airs on Wednesday. I would say jump on it, folks. Um, it's a new, fresh franchise, and there's some interesting aspects to it. So we're going to keep watching. Um, folks, that has been our show. Thank you for listening. Um, make sure you're checking out our Patreons. Uh, go over there. Five bucks a month. Hey, think of it as a donation to us if you're not even interested in listening. Just go spend five bucks a month on us. I mean, if you've been listening to us for a while, uh, help us. Give us a little holiday cheer. Okay? We could use it. Um, make sure you're giving us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. And uh, guys, I believe it's December 9th. Wednesday, the challenge airs. Holy. It's coming up. It's like two weeks. We're going to be recapping the challenge Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. The challenge starts. Um, It's called Double Agents. I think what we're going to do is next Monday, we're going to do a cast preview. Something like that. Maybe the Monday before the show. I don't know what we'll do, but we'll do some sort of a cast preview so we go through. I mean, there's a there's a great cast, um, and I think it's going to be an exciting season. I, I uh, From what I can tell, I don't like spoilers, but from what I can tell, the double agents aspect of this seems kind of interesting. It might be a fun um, uh, addition to the rules. Um, I really enjoyed last season, um, and I think they're on a roll here. Uh, and I'm excited. I'm very excited that I'm going to have m- more appointment television and that we get to recap it for you every week here on the podcast. So make sure you're gearing up and uh, TiVoing or whatever you do over there. You, you, you DVR it. Do something. But the challenge is coming up. Uh, and that's all we got for you, folks. So thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.